Are we ready for the word of God? Alright, so by the grace of God, we have some nice formica here. I'll be using to do a lecture for you guys. So if there's something I must write, I'll just write it down here. And I believe it's really going to help you. Alright, so get your diaries, your notebooks ready. If you, didn't, if you don't have a notebook, please make sure when you are coming, you're going to get a notebook. It's very critical as uh, Hevinians whatever we do here is very critical some of the things we teach here are very technical and you need to really write some of them down so that when you go home you can study them the bible says that the thessalonican church was more noble than the berean church because after paul had taught they went back home to search the scriptures to see whether what paul was saying was true so how will you be able to search it when you have not made notes? So it's very important for you to put down some notes so that when you go, you go and search it out for yourself. Then you see how real what we are doing here is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Wonderful. So we began a new series that was last week. Uh, we call it Growing Spiritually. Growing Spiritually. We had a very tantalizing time with the Holy Ghost and with the Word of God. We taught on growing spiritually. And we spoke about the essence of growth. First of all, we started by saying there are reasons why some Christians don't want to grow. And I gave you some few reasons. And if you fall in this category, you must really be very serious about spiritual growth. We said number one reason why people don't want to grow is laziness. They just don't want to get committed with growth. For you to grow spiritually, it will take an effort. It will take an effort. Even for a baby to grow healthily, spirit, uh, physically, it takes an effort on the side of the baby. He must learn how to walk. His father cannot just lift him if he, if he has decided not to walk. It takes an effort from the child. If he's giving food and he refuses it, he can't, he can't grow healthily. So there's even an effort on the side of a baby. There is an effort from you. There's some Christians who are just lazy. They just don't want to grow. They don't want to do anything, get themselves involved in things that will let them work. We said that is one thing that will prevent you from growing. Number two, we said fear... Uh, number two reason is the fear that comes along with having responsibilities there are some christians who don't want to grow because they fear responsibilities because the more you grow the more you be committed to do the work of ministry i i know some christians who don't say that i don't want to engage in growth because when i when i start maturing they'll make me a pastor they'll make me a pastor so i won't grow because when you start maturing, you become useful. You become useful in the body of Christ. So before you realize, you'll be appointed to go and pastor a place. You'll be appointed to go and um, um, take care of a fellowship. You'll be appointed to do some other duties of, in church. So many Christians don't want to grow because of the fear of responsibilities. So they just want to remain churchgoers. And that is dangerous. Number two, excuses. It's also a reason why many Christians don't want to grow. Many Christians have excuses why they don't want to grow. Uh, people complain about work. People complain about school. People complain about stress. 
And they say, my work doesn't give me the chance to study my Bible. I come back from lectures late and I'm stressed and because of that, I can't be able to study my Bible. I can't be able to make time to pray. All these excuses are inexcusable because you have 24 hours in a day. You don't work for 24 hours. So what do you do with the other hours in a day? You are supposed to make time for your growth and development in the Lord. Because when we get to heaven, God will not ask you, were you a first class student or you a third class student? God will not ask you, were you a banker? Oh, this man. <laughs> the banker entered and I just said banker. <laughs> were you a banker or you were an insurance man? I hope Pastor Scapa is not coming too. <laughs> so God will not ask you your occupation when you enter into heaven or when you die. No. So all the excuses you give about work, school, and all these things, in eternity, it will not hold. The only thing that will hold is how well you utilize your time for the furtherance of the gospel and for your spiritual growth. I told you the other time that spiritual growth is so necessary because the only thing you carry into eternity is your level of maturity. You carry it into eternity. However you live your life is an investment. It's an investment. Whatever you are doing here today with your Christian life is an investment. So the question is, how well are you investing into your spiritual maturity? It's very key. Praise God. Number four, we said impatience. It's a reason why many Christians don't want to grow. Impatience. Impatience. There are many Christians who feel that spiritual growth is an instant thing. The moment you start reading the Bible for one week, then you start growing. So when they start reading for one week, they don't see any quality in their life, then they just put it down somewhere. It is, it, it is very, very risky as a believer to do that. Growth takes time. Look at a baby, how the baby grows. I was watching my baby this morning. I said, so when are you going to grow? I was just imagine, when is this boy going to grow? Praise God. So it takes time to grow. And if you are impatient... You will miss the whole thing. A man of God was sharing um, um, a certain experience that when he was a kid, they were doing um, a Greek and they were all made to uh, put soil in a certain container and grow some plants. So they put the seed inside. After two, three weeks, everybody's seed had germinated except his own. So he started getting impatient. And his friends, you know, they were kids. You know, he started feeling disappointed in himself that everybody's um, seed is now germinating. His is not germinating. People were laughing at him. So, you know what he did? He just got frustrated, fed up, and then put his hands into the seed. When he brought his hand out, he realized that the thing was just left with little to grow. Guess what? It was too late. The plant died. And it's the same with many of us believers. You know, sometimes when we hear teachings that push us and encourage us, all of a sudden, we want to pray five hours a day. We want to read the Bible for ten hours a day. Listen, don't, don't break your spiritual bones. Because spiritual growth takes time. You build it to a certain place. That is how come a baby doesn't start eating meat when he's born. He starts drinking milk. There is timing 
to spiritual growth. So many times you hear a testimony of a man of God, he said he fasted 40 days. Don't try fasting 40 days. You die before your time. So many want to grow in a day. They want to also mature and start experiencing glory in one day. So they will pray for 30 hours first day before you realize that will be the only day you ever prayed in your life for 30 hours. Because of premature exposure. So we think that growth must be instant. It must be two weeks. It must be three weeks. It must be four weeks. It hasn't happened that way. It takes time. It even takes years for a man to grow. So don't be impatient. You will grow. And when you grow, you will know you are growing. But it, must, it might not be instant. But you must constantly do what you are doing. Just like a child constantly does what he's doing. What? Eating. So constancy in what you are doing is what brings that growth. So don't be in a hurry. So if, if you are praying for five minutes, don't jump into three hours. You can go to 10 minutes. From there you go to 15 minutes. From there you go to 20 minutes. If you jump into five hours, you cannot keep the consistency. I'm not saying once in a while, don't pray five hours. What I'm saying is that don't do it with the notion that the moment you do that five hours, something must happen instantly. You'll be disappointed. So you must be very patient to allow growth to take place. Number five, I didn't add that last week, so you need to put this down. Fifth reason why people refuse to grow is the sacrifices it involves and the comfort and relaxation it will rob you of. The sacrifices involved. Many people don't want to grow because of the, sacrifice, the sacrifices involved in growth. The comfort and relaxation growth will deny you off. They don't want to venture because growing spiritually will cost you Growing spiritually will cost you your comfort. It will cost you your sleep. It will cost you your money because you must buy study Bibles. You must buy study Bibles. You must buy anointed books. It will cost you your money. It will cost you your time. When your friends are playing, you are praying. You are studying the word. It will cost you time. It will cost you friends when it comes to growth. So many Christians don't want to venture because of the sacrifice it involves. That is why they don't want to grow. Because it will demand too much. Listen, nothing good comes cheap. That's how come spiritual growth will, 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 will cost you. It will cost you. I'm telling you, it will cost you. It will cost you a certain level of discipline to come to that place. Praise God. So we, we, we looked at that last week. We also said some beautiful thing about spiritual growth. We said spiritual growth and development is like the growth of an infant maturing into an adult and like a plant that is growing to bear fruit. We explained some very deep analogy from that perspective of how a plant grows. We said that the farmer is responsible for stirring the soil he is responsible for planting the seed. He is responsible for pouring water on the seed or irrigating the seed. He, he is responsible for positioning the seed into its right environment. But the farmer cannot force the growth of the seed to happen. Praise God. 
He can't force it. He cannot blow air on the seed for the seed to grow. It's not possible. When he does all these things that he does, he must now depend on the law of nature as it, uh, with respect to growth to happen to the seed for the seed to grow. He can't do anything about it. He cannot force the, the seed to grow in one day. It's the same with spiritual growth. It cannot happen by us, yet it cannot happen without us. The seed cannot grow if the farmer does not plant it. If he puts this plant on this glass, it will never grow because that is not the right, right environment. He must put it in the soil. That is his responsibility. God is not the one who puts the seed in the soil. He must put it in the soil. He must water it. That is his responsibility. But he cannot go to the extreme of causing the plant to grow. It is the same with our spiritual growth. Spiritual growth does not come by us, yet it cannot happen without us. We have a role to play for spiritual growth. We have a role to play and God has his role. So we position ourselves in the right environment for growth and God produces the growth. So spiritual growth comes by God, yet it does, it, 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 it does not come without man. We have a role to play in spiritual growth. So if you don't play your role, it can never take place. Spending one hour of your time to listen to an anointed message is sacrifice. It is discipline. It is. So don't look too far when I say discipline and sacrifice. I'm not saying do 10 hours. No. Deciding to make time for your spiritual growth is a sacrifice. Okay? So we also used that of a gym. When a man begins to go to the gym and he begins to gym the first day, does the arms grow in the first day? No. He'll go to the gym. In fact, the first day he will come back broken. You know why? Because there'll be injuries and sores inside. Because now the muscles are now replacing the fat. So he'll go through pain inwardly. But guess what? Does he stop gymming because of pain? No, when you are growing spiritually, it will cost you your sleep. Sometimes you feel sleepy, yet you want to still read the Bible. It will cost you. You don't stop from there just because you are sleeping. He still goes to the gym continuously, consistently as he does that. He's not the one that causes his um, uh, internal chemical organs to respond to the muscles. Yet, until he pulls out the gym, it will not come. So it, it, is, it is the anatomy of his body that causes his arms to grow. Yet, that body change cannot take place until he goes to the gym. So it's the same. We cannot make growth happen, yet growth cannot happen without us. So we have a role to play. Just like a man goes to the gym and his body anatomy adjusts for his muscles. It's the same with our spiritual growth and development. Praise God. Another analogy I didn't use last week is that of a pregnant woman. Because of the existence of a life within her, it affects everything about her life. When it wasn't there, she was normal. But when another life began to grow within her, it changes, it changed her whole life. She began to vomit all of a sudden. She began to feel headache. 
all of a sudden because of the life that is nurturing she doesn't feel sick yet she has to go to the hospital not for herself but for the life within there was a time a, a pregnant woman was walking around the overhead and she slipped just because she will go forward to fall on her stomach because of the life within she didn't want to affect the life so she rather twisted her ankle so she can fall at her back just to protect the life look at what a pregnant woman would do to nurture a life within her how long can you go just to nurture the spiritual life inside so she goes through discomfort she goes through pain she goes through uncomfortable periods just for the nurturing of her life to come out of her. It's the same for spiritual growth. There are some pains you will go through for spiritual growth. There are some discomforts you go through when everyone is asleep. You are pursuing God. There is, there is a pain you will go through. She doesn't want to go to the hospital, but she must go for a checkup. She must go for antenatal, whether she feels it or not. She's not doing it for herself. She's doing it for the life inside. It's the same. Sometimes your body will tell you all the reasons why you should not study. All the reasons why you should not pray. All the reasons why you should not engage in spiritual activities that bring growth. But you see, because of the life, you deny the body its instructions. So that you can nurture the life within. I hope I'm helping somebody here. That's a very serious thing. And you need to take this thing very serious. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we give some scriptures of the essence, biblical essence of growth. We spoke first of all about Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 14 and 15. He says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro that means god does no will that we remain children he says henceforth be no more children so god does not want the believer to remain a child because when you are a child what happens you are moved to and fro by every wind of doctrine it's because you are not established in the faith and look by the slight of men, that's deception of men, and by the cunning craftiness whereby the lying way to deceive. So he says, Hey, no, don't remain a child. God doesn't want it. The next scripture is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Look, he says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So God wants us to grow. So growth is an essential element of Christianity. Like I said last week, so, you see, spiritual growth is not a desert to Christianity. Spiritual growth is not a spiritual extracurriculum activities after other things are done. Spiritual growth is Christianity itself. Spiritual growth is Christianity. So it's... It, it, it's Spiritual growth is not like an option you have to choose in Christianity. No. It's your designated destination after believer. After being a believer, sorry. It's your, it's your des designated destination after being a believer. 
So the next best thing about being a Christian is growth. First Timothy 4, the verse 5, the, the verse 4. No, First Timothy 2, the verse 4. He says, God who wills that all men be saved. Look, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So after salvation, the next thing is the knowledge of the truth. So salvation is not enough. Being saved is not enough. You must now come into the knowledge of the truth. So we have many believers who are saved and they are just rejoicing. But there is a certain aspect that they are not venturing. Spiritual growth, knowledge. Have you forgotten in Exodus 12, in the Passover, there were two things they did with the Passover lamb. They shed the blood and they put it on the doorpost so that when the angel of death comes and sees the blood, he will pass over. When he passes over, you will not die. Your life will be what? Saved. That was salvation. But inside the room, what were they doing? They were eating the roasted animal. So the blood brought salvation. The flesh was for their feeding. So in Christ, we are saved by his blood. But God expects us to be eating, feeding on Jesus Christ. After they ate, they journeyed in the wilderness for a very long time without eating. You know why? Because that food was enough. So, feeding on Jesus is for our spiritual sustenance and progress. So, without feeding, without growing as a believer, you are in danger. I'm telling you. Hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Being a baby is not funny. You are exposed to danger, I'm telling you. Can you imagine why when a baby is a baby, they cover the baby, they wrap the baby? Because the weather at this condition cannot be able to, to handle the baby well. When he's exposed to the weather, he can have pneumonia, he can have flu, he can have all kinds of diseases in the air. So they must even inject him tetanus and TB. Because the air and the baby's internal organs is not mature to be able to handle the environment around him. It's the same with spiritual babyhood. You are exposed to elements of darkness easily because your internal spiritual organs are underdeveloped. Anything can happen to you when you're a baby Christian. Hmm. I hope I'm helping somebody here. So, listen, if you're not growing as a believer, you must, it must be a spiritual concern. You must be concerned that you're not growing. I'm telling you. You must be concerned. You must sit down and be concerned about it. This is not condemnation. It's a concern about your spiritual life. I'm not growing. Something must be done about this. I cannot remain this way the rest of my life. No. 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 Thank you, Lord. 1 Peter chapter 2, the verse 2 and 3. 1 Peter 2, the verse 2. Look, he says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So there is a place. If you want to grow, you must desire to grow. It's the first step of spiritual growth. Until you desire growth, you can never have growth. Hmm. He says, design the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow. So God does not want you to remain a baby. 
Hebrews chapter 5, the verse 12. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, for when for the time. In other words, by this time. You ought to be teachers. Because Paul had been with these people for some time. And he says, hey, by this time you ought to be teachers. Ye have need that one teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And have become such as need of milk and not strong meat. So Paul is saying, listen, all this time I've spent with you. By this time, if you were serious, you would have been teachers by now. Teaching other people about salvation. Now I'm doing my, my assignment I did for you all over again. Teaching you the first principles of the oracles of God again. Then you guys are babies. Look at the next verse. He says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. The Jews were going back to animal sacrifices and going back to the law and the Ten Commandments. And Paul was telling them, listen, by going back to this system, you are babies. By this time, you should understand the word of righteousness better. The word of righteousness states that a man is righteous not by what he does. A man is righteous because he believes Jesus. This is the word of righteousness. If you don't understand this foundation, forget about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth you, it begins by first understanding that you are righteous not by works, but by faith in Christ. So righteousness is not a doing. Righteousness is a being. Righteousness is a gift. Romans 5.17 As many as receive the abundance of grace, which is the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life. So righteousness is a gift. Galatians chapter 2, the verse 21. It says, for if righteousness is by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now look at it. Galatians chapter 2, the verse 21. It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That means if righteousness comes by me doing something, then there was no need for Jesus to come. His death was useless. And you know what you are doing? You are frustrating grace. The rest frustrate means to neutralize it. You make it of no effect. You insult it. You tread upon it. So people think when somebody is treading upon grace, that means he's abusing it. No. When somebody insults grace, it means he decides to do to become righteous. That's how he insults the grace of God. So when God says you are righteous because of your faith in Jesus, say yes, Lord, I believe it. That's where your maturity begins. First Corinthians 13, the verse 10 to 12. Now look at that. He says, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is impartial shall be done away. Look at the verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I speak as a child. I understood as a child. Number three, I thought as a child but when i became a man i put childish things away that means spiritual growth is important that means if a man is a baby christian he has a problem with talking he has a problem with what understanding and he has a problem with what thinking he says i talked as a child i understood as a child and i thought as a child so a baby christian has three problems speaking problem understanding problem and thinking problem. 
He says, but when I became a man, I put childish things away. That means God does not want any believer to remain a baby. He wants every baby Christian to grow and put childish things away. So there are believers who are childish. They are spiritually childish. They talk anyhow. They don't understand anything. Their thinking is awkward. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hmm. So we, we have come to understand something. I said that last week. I want to repeat it again. The first step to spiritual growth is desire. I've not even gotten to how to grow. I'm teaching you the first thing you must understand about growth before growth can become a reality is for you to desire. First Peter chapter 2, the verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. You must be hungry for growth. You must desire for growth. You must test for growth. I told you last week that there are two different kinds of hunger. We have hunger of salvation and hunger for maturity or hunger for knowing God. That's what many people have misunderstood. I was also a victim. When I came to understand grace, I said there is nothing like spiritual hunger. There's nothing like spiritual hunger because Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall never be hungry. And whoever comes to me shall never be thirsty. That hunger and thirst was in the confinement of salvation. Because any man without Christ is spiritually thirsty. In John chapter 4, if you read further, Jesus said to the woman, if you know who stands here and asks you for drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters, which shall be in you a wellspring of life leading unto eternal life. That was eternal life. That was salvation. The hunger and test there was referring to salvation. So there is hunger for salvation. When a man believes Jesus, his hunger and test for salvation, righteousness is over. Christ has become the satisfaction of his soul. As it matters to salvation. So when Jesus was saying, blessed are they that hunger for righteousness, he was not talking to the believer. He was talking to an unbeliever. An unbeliever's hunger and thirst is for righteousness because nobody is righteous. But when you believe Jesus, Jesus satisfies you by becoming righteousness in your spirit. So no believer is thirsty for righteousness or can be thirsty for righteousness because Christ has become his righteousness. Not only that, He's actually called righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 6, the verse 14, the Bible calls the believer righteousness. He's not trying to be righteous. He's righteousness. Look, he says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? So the believer is righteousness. Ephesians 4 24, the Bible says, And I have put on the new man which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. So the believer is actually a makeup of righteousness. He is created righteous. Hey, you are created in righteousness. So your makeup is righteousness. Every believer is righteous. Once you have believed Jesus, it doesn't matter your attitude. It is not your attitude that determines your righteousness. It is your faith that determines it. 
So the question about righteousness is whether I've done something to deserve it or not. No. The question about righteousness is have you believed Jesus? Romans chapter 10 verse 4. The Bible says for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. In other words, when you meet Jesus, you have come to an end of your ability to retain righteousness. When you meet Jesus, you have come to an end of your actions to gain righteousness. When you meet Jesus, he has settled the case for righteousness already in you. These are things you might not hear, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm presenting the scriptures to you. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Romans 3.20 He says, Therefore by the deeds of the Lord, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The verse 23. He says, But a righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. With righteousness is by faith of Jesus Christ. To all and upon all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What sin is that? Adam's sin. Romans 5, the verse 12. Adam's sin. Not the sins you commit personally. All have sinned because Adam sinned. And are falling short. There was no full stop there. There was a semicolon. He says, be justified. In other words, all those who sin are now justified by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Be justified freely. So those who sin by faith now have been justified freely. By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So righteousness is a gift. When we believe Jesus, we become the very righteousness of God. Romans chapter 4, the verse 1 to the verse 6. It is beautiful. Now look at that. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? Look at the next verse. He says, for if Abraham were justified by works, he had went off to glory, but not before God. So if Abraham were justified by works, he can boast, but his boasting cannot be before God. Hey, look at the next verse. He says, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15, the verse 6. Look at the next verse, the verse 4. He says, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. In other words, if you work for 21 days in a company, what they give to you is not a gift. It is what? Salary. Look at the next verse. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted. His faith is counted. So your faith is counted. How? For righteousness. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. This is, this is what no Old Testament saint enjoyed. Look at the next verse. <laughs> he says, Say, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. David was looking at us in prophetic spectacles. And said, this generation, blessed are they. 
Because when David sinned, God found a way to punish him. And God told him, you are not there yet. And God showed him in a picture of how you and I will be justified apart from works. And he says, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Look at the next verse. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. In the New Testament, even though a believer may sin, God does not impute it unto him. You know why? Because it was imputed into Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 18, 19. Oh, why am I even teaching all this thing? <laughs> I don't know what is happening to me. All things are of God, who has reconciled us by, to himself by Jesus. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at the next verse. This will change your mind forever. Look. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing. The word imputing is from a Greek word called logizomai, which means to account. In accounting, if I give you one, you record one. If I give you two, you don't record five. <laughs> and God is saying, not imputing, in other words, not tabulating or not accounting their trespasses unto them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The verse 21. It says, For God hey, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You cannot see all these things and doubt righteousness. A believer is righteous in Christ. And this foundation is what sets you for spiritual growth. Shall we move on? <laughs> So the Christian must desire to grow. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. He says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So God is looking for those who will seek him to know him. I told you, in salvation, God seeks you. In intimacy, you seek God. In salvation, God pursues you. In intimacy with God, you pursue God. And this is what many have not understood. God will not force you to look for him. God will not force you to know him. No! It is your responsibility to make an effort to know God. Mejagabadolebehe. Hmm. I hope I'm teaching good here. Thank you, Lord. So, without a desperate hunger for God, for spiritual growth, growth cannot be in view. There must be a genuine hunger for spiritual growth. Praise God. There must be a genuine hunger. A desire to grow. Now, this desire, I'm not talking about a desire that comes from a place of distance, as though God is here and you are here. No. It's the desire to know him. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. So I told you about spiritual hunger last week. I shared some very deep truths with you about spiritual hunger. There are two kinds. The hunger for salvation, the hunger for knowing God. The hunger for salvation has already been accomplished. So the believer cannot be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. It has been accomplished. But there's a hunger, a further desire, a yearning, a certain zeal to know God. That hunger is valid in the New Testament. He says, as newborn babes, desire. The word desire is a strong yearning. A strong yearning to grow. There must be a certain genuine yearning in your heart to God for growth. It is that, that will be the drive that will bring you to growth. Yearning is a drive. Genuine. Oh Lord, I want to know you. Oh Lord, I want to know you. Teach me your word, Lord. I want to know you. As Prophet Isaac was preaching, Lord, there was something burning in my heart. I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm genuinely interested in knowing you. Lord, I want to be serious about my growth. There, there should be a certain yearning. It is the yearning that bets all the activities you do to grow. Without the yearning, you cannot forget about it. Tell somebody, yearn for growth. I told you last week, spiritual hunger and physical hunger are in opposite direction. In physical hunger, the more you eat, the more satisfied you become and the more you don't want to eat. That physical hunger. hunger. Well, the more you eat, you get more full and you don't want to eat again. In spiritual hunger, the more you eat, the more you get hungrier. <laughs> The more you eat, the more hungrier you become. So it is not the same in the spirit. In the physical, when you eat more, you become more full. And you don't desire to eat again. So if you eat banku, four balls. After eating banku, they bring fried rice. Big plate. You finish clearing it. Then they bring jollof rice and chicken. You see, as you are eating, the desire to eat stops, right? In the spirit, is the opposite. The more you are feeding, the more hungrier you become. Number two, which many of you have not observed. Number two, in the spirit, the more you starve in the flesh or in the physical, the more you starve yourself or the more you delay your food, the more hungrier you become, right? The more you delay eating, the more hungrier you become, right? In the spirit, it's the opposite. The more you delay your food, the less hungry you become. Let me explain again. In the physical, the more you delay eating or the more you starve yourself, the more hungrier you become. For example, you are supposed to eat breakfast and he says you don't eat breakfast. You eat later at 6 o'clock. What happens to you? You get more what? Hungry for food. In the spirit is the opposite. The more you are delaying studying the word, delaying prayer, the more you are delaying your spiritual hunger, the more the, the, hungry, the hunger be, be, begins to diminish. So I'm sure some of you have experienced this already. So all of a sudden, your desire for the word is just vanished. Yes, it's because you, you have been skipping too many spiritual meals. You have been procrastinating too many meals. It's time to read the Bible, you're on social media. Oh, you think that the more you are denying yourself from spiritual growth, the more hungry you become. No, the less hungrier you become. That is how come you realize, ah, in this month, you don't know what is happening to you. All of a sudden, your desire to pray is just going down. Yes, it's because you stopped. It's because you stopped. So the more you stop, the less hungry you feel and have for God. 
That is how come you must discipline yourself to constantly feed. Hey, constantly feed. It's a discipline. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was telling you the other time about spiritual hypocrisy. Now, some of you, when you see videos on Somalia and some hungry nations where children are slim, quashocolic, big stomach, yellow hair, and flies are all over them, he said, Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. <sighs> Why? These kids are suffering. Why? <laughs> You are crying for them physically, in the spirit, the cloud of witness. Abraham and the rest are also watching you, and they are crying for you. Because spiritually, you are just like them. You are just like them. You are not growing. You are just like them. So whilst you are crying for them, Abraham is crying for you. (laughs) He's watching you from the screen of heaven. He says, ah, this guy does not just care about his growth. And he looks spiritually stunted, weak, hungry, with spiritual flies all over. It must be your concern. I hope I'm helping someone here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So you see, the desire to grow must also be maintained. You must maintain the constant desire to grow, it must be maintained. So you don't just get hungry for one day. You don't just desire to grow one day and then you just leave it. The desire must be maintained. You must maintain this desire constantly. Good. So quickly we are moving to the next topic under growing spiritually. How to grow spiritually. How to grow spiritually. Many people, many believers have asked me this question. They said, man of God, I understand grace and all that, but so how can I grow spiritually? Today I'm answering all these questions. How to grow spiritually? There is a how. I told you, spiritual growth is not automatic. It is intentional. It is deliberate. There is a how to grow. Praise God. I'm going to share three key essential elements to growth. And that is where we're going to use, that's what we're going to use as a foundation for our teaching on this topic. Number one, we grow by eating or feeding. We grow by eating or feeding. Number two, we grow by breathing. We grow by breathing. As long as you are breathing, you will grow. Number three, we grow by exercising. Everything I'm going to teach is going to be based on this one. We grow by eating or feeding, number one. Number two, we grow by what? Breathing. Number three, we grow by what? Exercising. Now, this is key. Now, this... Um, uh, what I just mentioned was the physical. So I'm going to explain that in the light in the spirit. So you can put dash and write it beside it. 
Growing by feeding is by feeding on the word of God. So I'm talking about growth that comes by the word. Growth that comes by the word. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Growth that comes by the word. Because the word of God is a food for the believer. Number two, growing my breathing is actually prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the breath of the soul. So growing by breath is growing by prayer. Have you read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I think the verse 24. He says, Pray without ceasing. You know what he was saying? He says, breathe without ceasing. So like breath is to the physical body, prayer is to the soul. So a believer who does not have a prayer life is not breathing, he's suffocating. <laughs> That's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He says pray without ceasing. So he's talking about breath, just like you breathe without ceasing. He says pray without ceasing. So like physical breathing is to the body, prayer is to the soul and spirit. So we grow by feeding the word of God. We, go, we grow by breathing, which is prayer. Because prayer is the breath of the soul. When you cease to pray, you cease to breathe. Now, if you, if, if you get what I'm saying, you, you will treasure your prayer life. You will not see prayer as an option. You will not see prayer as a feeling. When you feel like praying, then you pray. Today, I'm tired. Let me skip. Even if you are tired, make sure you make 10 minutes prayer before you sleep. Because prayer is your breath. I'm helping somebody I know. Number three, we grow by exercising. Exercising here is speaking about engaging in spiritual disciplines and exercises. Engaging in spiritual disciplines and exercises. Just like a baby will try crawling before he realizes he's up. It's a spiritual exercise. So the baby feeds, the baby breathes, and the baby exercises. Hmm. So I'm talking of spiritual disciplines and exercises, which in, in, include fasting, fellowshipping with other believers, serving one another, walking in the spirit, listening to healthy teaching, meditation, and etc. They are all spiritual exercises. So I've grouped all of them into three, and that's what we're going to teach on. So we grow by what? Feeding the word of God. We grow by breathing, which is what? Prayer. And we grow by exercising, which is engaging in spiritual disciplines that exercise the spirit of man. The Bible says, exercise yourself unto godliness. First Timothy chapter 4, I think verse 7. Exercise yourself unto godliness. He says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So we grow by exercising. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we want to look at the word, the first one, which is growth by feeding on the word of God. So we want to look at this for about 10 minutes as our time is up, our time is getting close. Growth by feeding on the word of God. Now, 
this is so much important. L- listen, don't joke with what I'm teaching. I'm telling you. Everything about your life is on this. Not just on what I'm saying now, but this teaching I'm teaching you. I'm telling you. Don't just discard it. Don't just listen to me and just go and live your life again. No, 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 no. Don't just listen to me and just go back to how you were living. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Be be concerned. We grow by the word of God. Feeding. Listen, I'm not just talking about reading the Bible to clear your conscience. There are many Christians who read the Bible because for the past two months they have not read the Bible. So they are reading not to grow. They are reading to clear their conscience of guilt of not reading the Bible in the course of the year. I'm not talking about that. You will never grow by that. You are only deceiving yourself. Number two, I'm not talking about reading the Bible or studying the Bible to have a message. That's not what I'm talking about. That does not lead to growth. There are many Christians, especially young ministers like some of us, and some of you sitting here, we study to have a message. It's very wrong. When I say it's very wrong, I'm I'm not saying that I don't study to prepare a message. But I'm saying that all what you know about the Bible should not be centered on preparing a message. No. Become the message. So you don't study to prepare a sermon. Or you don't study to compete. Now, I'm trying to clear all these things around the word of God before I start it. So we don't study to clear your conscience. You don't read the Bible because two months ago you have not read the Bible. So you are trying to do it so you feel right with God. It's wrong. Number two, you don't don't study the Bible to prepare a sermon for teaching or for preaching. No. Number three, you don't read the Bible for competition. To be the first person who memorized one chapter in your mind. No. All these things are also not wrong. Except trying to read the Bible to clear your conscience. So you don't, you don't study the Bible or you don't read or feed on the Bible for competition. So that in case Papa calls us out, I'll have a word. A word that will blow the minds of the people sitting down. And they'll say, hey, I'm the best among the best. You are missing this whole thing. Now that doesn't mean when I call you here to preach, you preach anything too. So you cannot be joy in prayer with the word. Because there are people who can, who can blow your mind. But I'm telling you, in acts and actions, there are so many question marks. Praise God. So what I'm teaching you here is, is beyond all these three things I just, I just mentioned. No. Growing by the word is devouring the word as your source of life. Growing by the word is feeding and devouring the word as your life. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I explained to you the other time that there's a difference between life and life supply. This teaching is is going to be relevant for this. There's a difference between life and life supply. When a mother gives birth to a baby, one CD, when a mother gives birth to a baby, the baby has received life. The baby has been born. But listen, without the baby feeding on food, the baby would die. 
You know why? Because the life has been born, but that life needs a life supply. That life supply is food. The purpose of the life supply is to sustain that life. So the word of God is the life of God given to the life of the believer to sustain him. So the word of God is the life supply of the life of the believer. So eternal life needs a life supply. Eternal life is sustained by the word. Hey, I'm so the baby can be born and the baby will be alive, crying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if the baby is not fed with a supply of life, which is food, the baby cannot survive. So growing by the word is actually taking the word of God as your life supply. It's your life supply. You see, when a man takes food, the food becomes actually a part of him. When a man takes food, the food enters into his digestive system and the food becomes a part of him. Now you don't see the food again. You see him, yet the, the food he has eaten has caused a transformation in his life. Yet you don't see the food. I'm helping someone here. When you feed on food, the food becomes part of you. You become one with the food. That's what happens when we study the word. The word now becomes part of us. We become one with the word. That's why we, we have become living epistles. So if now people want to read about kindness, they look at you because you have become kindness. Hey, You have become the very definition of forgiveness in the Bible because you are fed on the word for the word to form shape in you. That's proper feeding. Hmm. Now listen. The word of God is called food. To give us a picture that its original destination is in us. The reason why the word of God is compared to food is because it must be in us. You need to put this down. The reason why the word of God is called food is because it must be in us. The reason why the word of God is called food is because it must be in us. Hmm. The reason why the word of God is called food is because what? It must be in us. 1 Peter chapter 2, the verse 2 and 3. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So the word of God is compared to food. Food. It is milk. 1 Corinthians 3, the verse 1. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto canal, even as unto babes in Christ. Look at the verse 2. He says, I've fed you with milk. So we, the believer can be fed. The word of God is called milk. Are you following? Number two, the word of God is called meat. He says, I've fed you with milk and not with what? Meat. So the word of God is milk, it's also meat. Hebrews chapter 5, the verse 14. Hebrews 5, 14. He says, strong meat belongs to those who are matured. So, the word strong meat there is talking about levels of revelation in the word of God. So, the word of God is also called meat. So, I'm explaining why the word of God is food. It's milk, it's meat. 
Number three, the word of God is bread. Matthew chapter 4, the verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. He didn't say man shall not live by bread. In other words, man must eat. But he says he should not live by bread alone. But by what? Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So he's telling us that man lives by God's word. Just like bread is what man lives by physically. So God's word is compared to bread. So God is saying, don't be only concerned about your physical sustenance, food. Be concerned about your spiritual sustenance by giving bread to your soul. So the word of God is called bread. Number four, the word of God is called honey for Odi. Psalm 119 verse 103. Look, he says, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So the word of God is called honey because of the sweetness it carries in a man's spirit. The sweetness it carries in a man's spirit. You cannot feed on the word and not be sweet. In Jeremiah 3.15, God compared his word to food. Knowledge, he compared it to food. Look, he says, I will give you pastors, like Reverend Isaac Lapapo, according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Which shall feed you. So knowledge and understanding here is compared to food. Knowledge and understanding of God's word. He says, they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. You know what it means? It means God's word has all it takes to make you grow. That's, that's the conclusion of all the scriptures I just read. His word is bread. His word is milk. His word is meat. His word is honey. Come on. There is sweetness in his word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I explained to you the other time that growing as a believer is like growing of a plant. And I explained to you the other time that plants require three essential elements for growth. Number one is what? Water. Number two is what? Sunlight. Number three is what? Air. And I'm going to show you how all these three elements is revealed in the word of God. The word of God is all these three elements. Number one, air. John chapter 6, the verse 63. Air here represents the spirit. Look, he says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profited nothing. The words I speak to you, they are what? Spirit! And they are life. The word spirit there is air. So the, the word of God is the spirit that brings growth to the believer. It's the air the believer requires. 
Are you following? Hmm. Number two, it requires light. John chapter 1, the verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, this is talking about the word. Uh-huh. He says, the same was in the beginning with God. Uh-huh. He says, all things were made by him, and without him was anything made that was made. Next verse. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the word of God is light. Psalm 119 verse 105. Psalm 119 verse 105. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hey. So God's word is light. It's also a lamp. Psalm 119 verse 130. The same Verse 130. He says, The entrance of thy words giveth light and understanding to the simple. The entrance of thy word giveth light. So when the word of God enters you, a light has entered. Thank you, Lord. In the spirit, I see crowds of people seated here. I guess so. The entrance of thy word, it giveth light. Number three, what's the next one? Water. John chapter 5, the verse 26. Uh, sorry, Ephesians 5, 26. Ephesians 5, 26. Now look at that. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the... Hey. So the word of God is water, the word of God is light, the word of God is... That means all you need, all the essential things you need for growth is in the word. In John 15, 3, Jesus said, ye are clean because of my words. Ye are clean. So the word of God is water. It, it brings cleansing and refreshing. Ye are clean through the words which are spoken unto you. Praise God. Now, do you know what all these things means? It simply means that God's word is food for survival. Is light for illumination. It's understanding to the foolish. It's weapon for warfare. If you read Ephesians chapter 6 from the verse 17, look at something there. It says, and the helmet of salvation, the whole armor of God. He says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the word of God is a weapon. It's a weapon. So imagine a believer without a word. He is weaponless. So it's the, the weapon for the believer. The enemy will bring different attacks. But the word of God is your weapon. It's your sword. It's your sword. Tell somebody, draw your sword. So drawing your sword is not picking your Bible. Drawing your sword is releasing words of revelation against the counter-attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. So the word of God is also wisdom to the spiritually unwise. Colossians chapter 3, the verse 16. Now look at this. This is too good. The word of God is wisdom. It's wisdom. 
He says, oh, this is good. Let the word of Christ, it has specified. In other words, it's not just everything in the Bible that you should take as the word of God. He says, let the word of Christ. That means the word that reveals Christ. The word that reveals Christ. The word that gives a revelation of Jesus. He says, let it dwell in you richly. There are some of you, the word of God is in you poorly. He says, let the word dwell. The word dwell means let it feel at home and be comfortable in you. Richly. The word richly is from the deep word Plutus. The deep root, uh, the deep root word Plutus. It means abundance. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you abundantly. Abundantly. Richly. In all what? Wisdom. So the word of God carries in it wisdom. 2 Timothy 3.15 He says, and that from childhood thou hast known the holy scriptures which is able to make thee wise unto salvation. Which is able to make thee wise. So the word of God has the capacity, the word of God revealed in the scriptures has the capacity to make you wise. To make you wise. I'm talking about wise in the spirit. The word wisdom here is Sophia. You know what it means? I'll tell you. Supreme. That's the meaning of wisdom, Sophia. So when he says, let the word of God dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all supreme intelligence. He says, and that from childhood, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which is able to make you supremely intelligent unto salvation. So the word of God gives you supreme intelligence in every area of your life. You become super intelligent into spiritual realities. You know what to do. The word of God, the, the word wisdom also means It means what? Insight into realities. Wisdom. It means insight into realities. So the word of God gives you insight into realities. Mm. Supreme intelligence. <laughs> so you are not just intelligent with spiritual things. You have supreme intelligence. That's what the word of God can do. If you allow the word of God in your life. It will make you supremely intelligent. And people would notice it. If you read, you see, in the book of Proverbs, if you begin reading Proverbs, you're going to always see wisdom, 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 wisdom. You know what it's talking about? Jesus. So all the wisdom you see in the book of Proverbs was Christ. It was Christ. He says, my son, take wisdom and you'll never be poor. He says, take Christ, the revelation of Christ, you'll never be poor. If you read it carefully, he says, before the foundation of the earth, I was there. It was Christ. 
<laughs> so the word of God is a mirror for reflection. A mirror for reflection. James chapter 1, the verse 22. James 1, 22. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Uh-huh. He says, for if a man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. The word glass is mirror. Look at the next verse. For he beholded himself. That means whatever you see in the word of Christ is you. It is reflecting you. So who you are is revealed in the word of God. As you behold the word, you are beholding yourself. The word of God is a mirror for reflection. Because we're going to end here, finally. The word of God is peace to the troubled. Psalm 119 verse 165. It is peace to the troubled. So listen, if you are having trouble, if you are troubled inside, if you are having spiritual turbulence in, in, in your mind, in every part of your body, you need the word of God. Look, look at it. He says, great peace have they which love thy Lord. The word Lord there is word or teachings. He says, great wisdom, great peace have they which love thy word. And nothing shall offend them. Oh, this is good. <laughs> Great peace. So if you are not experiencing peace, your love is for something else. Great peace. Have they that love thy word. Thank you, Lord. I hope somebody is blessed here. In conclusion, all these things I have shared with you, in other words, without the word of God, you will spiritually starve. Without the word of God, you will walk in darkness. Because the word is your food, it is your light. Without the word of God, the believer will be weaponless. He has nothing to fight. He has nothing to hold on to. He's weaponless. Without the word of God, you remain in terror and bondage. Without the word of God, you remain foolish and unwise. Without the word of God, you'll be exposed to the devil's attacks. Without the word of God, you'll be in deception. And without the word of God, you'll be in frustration. And without the word of God, finally, you will never know who you are in Christ. In other words, you'll be a wandering believer. You are just wandering. You are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You are here today, you are there today. You will never settle. They are believers who have never settled because they are here today, they are there today. They live by the day by emotions. You will never settle. Tell somebody you will never settle. I'm done. Oh. Lift your voice and just begin to pray. I want you to pray to God and ask him to cause your desire for the word, your desire for God to grow, to increase. Speak to God. Ask him. The Bible says, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I told you, the best thing you can ever find as it matters or pertains 
to spiritual growth is desire. It's the first step to growth. Tell the Lord how you desire his word. And even if you lack the desire, tell God to create the desire. Tell God to birth a new desire in you. That even tiredness and stress that don't have enough power to bend that desire away. He says, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So ask God to cause his good pleasure to burn in you. He should cause his good pleasure to be your passion for life. Now I want you to pray this prayer genuinely from your heart. Ask God. Tell him you are concerned about your spiritual growth. Tell him how spiritually concerned you are about your growth. Tell him the Lord, my stress, my tiredness has prevented me, my laziness has prevented me from growing. Lord, my fear for responsibilities as a believer has prevented me. My impatience has prevented me. My lack of sacrifice and comfort has prevented me from growth. Lord, in Jesus' name, let a new passion burn in my heart. Let a new drive, let a new desire respond in my heart. Lift your voice and pray this genuine prayer. Ask the Lord for the genuineness of hunger. Hunger to grow. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder. He is the remunerator of him that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. The word diligent is hard work. It takes hard work to seek God. It takes labor to seek God. You must be diligent in seeking him. Tell the Lord, Lord, make me diligent in seeking you. It must Zanda matuleba, blantola batia tuna, lebarabasata kabadia, labranta namadia talega, rabatala bakapaya. Lord, I desire for more of you. I desire for knowledge. Ebatana mataya, that I may know you, the power of your resurrection, that I may know you, the power of your resurrection, that I may know you. I would never settle for less. There is more in God. There is more in God. God. We can't settle. We can't arrive. There is too much in God. Hey, behold the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Behold the depth and the wisdom of knowledge of God. Lift your voice. He says, knowledge and wisdom shall be the stability of thy times and the strength of salvation. He says, I'll give you pastors uh, after my own heart. Uh, and they shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Uh, hey, begin to ask God, the Lord, uh, cause my desire, cause my passion, uh, cause my burning uh, to be after you. Cause me to pursue you. I am concerned about my spiritual growth. Uh, despite I am working, uh, I still want to grow. Despite me studying as a student, I still want to grow. Despite me walking long distances, I still want to grow. In fact, Lord, even my work preventing me from growing is not a factor for me anymore. I just desire to grow. I just desire to grow. Hey, pursuing masters is no more of concern to me. I desire to grow. I desire to grow. My spiritual growth is more important
important to me now because it is everything in my life my success is in my maturity my glory is in my maturity my power is in my maturity my favor is in my maturity my supreme intelligence is in my maturity my light is in your word my water is in your word my life supply is in your word hey my wisdom is in your word lord my insight into reality is in your word hey my weapon is in your word my milk my meat my bread my honey is your word lord i desire to eat of you i desire to eat of you my peace is in your word great peace have they that love thy word great peace have they that love your word genuinely cry unto god genuinely cry unto god from the depth of your heart lord jesus i want to know you i want to know you come on lift your voice first timothy 2 4 who wills that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth lord i admit that i am saved but i am not satisfied because i am not having knowledge i'm not satisfied because your knowledge has not come to me the knowledge of your truth is my hunger the knowledge of your truth is my desire the knowledge of your truth is my passion the knowledge of your truth hey it's my me hey jesus said my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish it what is your meat tonight my meat is to know you my meat is to know your word my meat is to be renewed my meat is to spiritually mature lift your voice one minute more lift your voice and pray David said, hey, how precious are your words to me. They are like honey to my taste. They are like honey to my taste. Hey, in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Father.